0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com.
0: Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
2: I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Power of Water. Stop and think. And I hope you join us on our website, Hour, H-O-U-R dot com. Follow me on my Facebook and Twitter and listen to us on Voice America, Apple iTunes, and their syndications. The power of water. is there's nothing more important ever in your life or for the planet Earth, for the future, that you could give back to the planet, the, the safety and, and abundance of fresh, clean water. Water is why there is a planet Earth for over 2 billion years. And it became the miracle of all the universe that we've noticed so far. Without the water, there is no life. But there's something else in that water that's been my research for over 30 years. We're living with fresh water on the surface of the earth, fresh water below the surface of the earth called aquifers. But there's a water vapor all around earth that's called humidity, water in the air, invisible water that is your influence on how you live in your everyday life that was ignored and not studied for health reasons. No two people have the same eyes. That's a dehydration symptom. No two people have the same fingerprint and much more. The moment you were brought into the delivery room and you left that pocket of water, you entered into water vapor. That's what's keeping you alive. Now, number two part of that is you must eat the proper food, and it must be digestible. It must, but if you don't drink enough water, you're not going to be able to digest your food. If you are living an everyday life in different geographic locations, water is a must. Depending upon how many glasses you drink a day, it's eight to ten glasses of fresh water, no added ingredients. And there's been a confusion that water in something is also added to what you need for hydration. I disagree, and scientists all over the world agree with me. That is not the truth. That is not the truth. You must drink 100% fresh water. Well, fresh water is an endangered species as far as I'm concerned. There are water wars that are going to be an international conflict. There's going to be... Uh, they And some of the headlines, and you can go on and, and look this up, there are headlines, Water Wars and International Conflict. Look that up. The other one is, Will Water Supplies Provoke World War III? Go over and look up, Want Jobs? Fix America's Water Crisis. I agree with that. In fact, I've thought about it so much, too, because we're talking about digging for oil and all these other things to do, solar panels and windmills, and all. all I can think of is, the, 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 to to get a job is water, 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 water. We have 5,000 children dying a day around the world because they don't have any water. That is unexcusable for us getting up in the morning and living this lifestyle. As we're, the uh, National Geographic said in their issue a few years ago, the main issue was water, and then they have in there all the crisis. Where are our, you know, we talk politics, but we on the ground are not politicians that can go out there and work together to be able to stress the fact that water is a primary focus. The water vapor must be clean because that's our greatest influence on this planet for a healthy, to live a healthy life. Water, water, water. The the population grew in the United States two weeks ago by 46,419 people. We have in the United States 316,396,191 people wanting water. And every two weeks we're having an average of about 46,000 and more to add to that. World population grew two weeks ago. 1,486,360 1,486,360 people. The world population that needs water is 7,102,791,980 people need water. And that's not only counting the trees and the other animals and the life on earth. Everything needs that water, not just the human species. So let's get together and let's go out and join together and, and make a, make a, make a, have a movement that never ends. From now on, water, water, water. Not just on World Water Day, not just discussing it on Earth Day. Every day we need a movement to protect the water, or you're going to be dust. And the diseases and the symptoms will be out of control. What are your symptoms? I'm saying with my research and my medical team are saying dehydration of the body is your symptoms. Drink water with your pill, each pill. Don't take them all together. With your food, be sure. The old fallacy, don't drink water with your food because it might fill you up. Well, guess what? There's so much to learn. If you can't sleep, water. You're dehydrated. If you're having an allergy, dehydrated. Your eyes, what is the surface of the eye? The surface of the eye, and when they brought me in to study dehydration of the eye and blindness and vision impairment, I said, well, the surface of the eye, because it's 98% water, has to have a supplement. And without that supplement at the surface of the eye, it's the only uh, organ that doesn't have a way to supplement. It's only depending upon water vapor that is polluted, unclean, and inconsistent. So what are we? We're walking water. Like a very famous person once said, we need water to replace ourselves. And if we want this planet to be here for eternity, we need to think about water. Today we have an exciting guest. His name is Dr. Neil Grigg. He's a Ph.D. He's a professor of civil engineering, former director of the Colorado Water Resources Research Institute of Colorado State And I'm really, State University, I'm really looking forward to what he's learned to to emphasize the fact with his background and his dedication, his mission, why water is so important, and especially coming from Colorado. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. To supplement that surface of the eye I told you about, you need a mist every day. Even if you're not complaining about dry eye, you brush your teeth because it will help prevent cavities. You're eating food. To help your symptoms to be a better health. I could go on. You're sleeping for better health. You need to support the surface of that eye. It's a must. Well listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Dr. Grigg.
0: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
3: Discover the secret of Nature's Tears I missed an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry.
0: Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon at yahoo.com. That's Sharon at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Dr. Gregg, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, um, tell us a little bit about you and your background because I was reading about you and you, you've led a very fascinating life.
4: Well, thank you. I've been working in water for a long time, and I'm a college <laughs> professor now, but I've also worked as a consultant um and as a government official regulating water pollution and water quality and I've done a lot of things in many countries um You mentioned uh when I worked in the Colorado Water Resources Research Institute uh here in Colorado, as you can imagine, water is the whole basis for uh the settlement and civilization uh that we have here. Uh, back about the time that uh, the first explorers were coming from the East Coast and trying to open up the West, uh, they took a look at Colorado, and they said no civilization could really exist here because this is just a desert. Um, but wow. Yeah, we've been able to <laughs> overcome that by developing water so. <laughs> care of our water, and uh, now we've got uh, around 5 million people living here in Colorado. So well, uh, you're exactly right. Water is so critical here.
2: More than that, Doctor. Look at what you're doing for New Mexico, California, and Arizona.
4: Yes, we're sending a lot of water downhill. <laughs> we hope you appreciate it.
2: Yeah, I've had them on my show, the heads of waters, and uh, and uh, I tell you, all I could think about is someday if the Colorado people decide uh, enough is enough, because you may need it for yourselves or whatever you can imagine. What whatever year that is and whenever. Uh, because you're supplying so much to help th- the other dusty states.
4: <laughs> well, that's a problem all over the world. And if you take that same issue and you think about 80 or 90 million people in Egypt, uh, depending on the Nile, exactly. River, yeah, exactly. And they're worried about what's going to happen in Ethiopia and Sudan mm-hmm. and taking water that they need in the future. It's the same as Colorado and California.
2: Well, and then also what's happening up into the t- Tibetan Himalayas with China is that river coming through there that's going into India and yeah, they're that... talking about building a very large world enormous size of dam that could turn the uh, it could change things and and the world hasn't been hearing about it but that could be a fine line happening between those two countries
4: that's one of the kinds of problems we study here at the university that's the brahmaputra river um and that uh, threat to build a large dam and uh, divert that water is the same kind of a threat that you would have in Ethiopia uh, in Egypt, and it's an example of those water conflicts and uh, sparks that could set off uh, big problems in the future.
2: Huge problems. In fact, that's why that one uh, title that I mentioned this morning, if you didn't hear it, said World War Three could be over water, uh, I... and this is why I wanted this show, Dr., Years ago, I'll be—it's almost at the end of my seventh year here soon. I decided if I was going to have a radio show, I wanted to call it the Power Water. I had been involved with water research, understanding water vapor and the air, what its influences that to the human bodies and all life on Earth. That vapor—that is, you cannot live without it—and it's not clean like it used to be, and it's so um, compromised because of the satellites and all that's going on up there and around us plus our lifestyle on this planet is is influencing that water vapor and then you and I talk about the groundwater and the surface of the water uh fresh water and I want to make a point for everybody to know I'm talking fresh water that keeps us alive now with you uh, uh before we move on to some of these other topics Yemen I had been studying Yemen and Yemen's wars really began uh, the controversies in the villages with over water way back in time. Did you run into that with your research?
4: Oh yeah, we we have conflicts like that all over the place. And in fact, the city that I live here in here is Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, down the river is um, Greeley, Colorado. Uh, and back in 1874, uh, when these two com- two communities were being uh, settled for the first time. They had a, what amounted to a, a water war. Uh, they settled it peacefully, but uh, settling it led to a unique system of water allocation and water management here in Colorado that we call the appropriation doctrine. So it was basically a settlement of that village conflict, so to speak, you know, that led to this important uh, way that we manage it through water law, And that influences things all through the, things all through the West.
2: Exactly. Now, I've had on the show in Holland, uh, the head of the water research there, and you know the story, and you might remind us, because you could probably do a good job of it. You're well knowledgeable on this. Um, with Holland's history in the Netherlands, in Holland, their water issue. Can you tell the audience something about that?
4: Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Even in countries like Holland, where it's humid, you have terrific water problems and water issues. They're different than what we have in in the West, but in Holland originally, you know, the famous story is about the flooding that they had. It it amounts to uh, what you would call coastal flooding, where you had the North Sea coming in and flooding all the low-lying lands and farmland and everything so they built the dikes and the dikes are always threatened and there's a story of uh, the boy putting his finger in the dike and saving the uh, country that way but that's not the only problem uh, that they've got with water in the Netherlands so you've got uh, all of the problems of managing water for the cities for agriculture there draining the excess water out of the land so that you can have productive agriculture so the Dutch in in solving their water problems uh, from day one, they became experts, uh, and they exported their technology all around the world. I've gone to a number of different countries and uh, found out that there were Dutch engineers there before I was there, and they were there to show the people how to build those levees, uh, how to solve those agricultural drainage problems. And it's a it's a really impressive story what they've done.
2: So they became the masters to teach the rest of the world about this resource and and, and engineering and the seriousness of it, but yet nobody was really listening anymore. Their minds are not on it, uh, Doctor. Uh, In fact, I need to tell you before I move on. I married the guy who put his thumb in the dike. You did? I'm teasing. I'm married to a Dutchman off the boat with his wooden shoes. Oh, and by the way, a week from this next Saturday, it'll be 50 years.
4: Well, congratulations. Well,
2: thank you. But anyway, uh, he has a natural instinct with me. I've been in research now with water. In fact, I have to ask you, Doctor, have you ever gone down the street and seen in the, in the pavement and the sidewalk those water mains and it says W-A-T-E-R? Sometimes I think I invented the word water. <laughs> I've been with it for so long. You probably think the same way. You look at the word water and it, it, you've been with it. How long have you been doing this?
4: Well, I can tell you that I celebrated my 50th anniversary last year.
2: Ah, <laughs> so okay.
4: In the same boat as you. <laughs> I'm
2: 71, but yeah. I've been studying for 30 years'
1: water.
4: Yeah, I've been working in water um, for all of my work in life, which is is around 50 years. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it has started from a uh, position where we were looking at things, you know, basic water pollution uh, of the time, say, in the 1960s. Right. Um, now we're looking at a world water crisis, uh, much greater population, as you pointed out earlier, much more stress in water. Uh countries like China and India with all these gigantic populations um, needing to develop their water, um, diverting rivers, building mega dams everywhere. And I I've witnessed that whole period and um I, I you hope,
2: sure have.
4: Yeah, I wow. hope we can make it to the next.
2: Gosh, we're going to have to get you to join our team. I, you know, uh, when I look back at, uh, with our forefathers and even my parents, water was a big issue. In fact, we spent a lot of time, uh, with around water, but if w- they forgot all about it, doctor, uh, I mean, what are we going to do? What is your thinking? What are we going to do? Uh, now I bring on the show quite a bit. I don't know if you've ever met him. Dr. Dwayne Cecil. Uh, P.H.E., he's been with NASA, NOAA, and he's very, very uh, committed for all these years to water research. But uh, what is some of your thinking? How are we going to get people serious, get them distracted and get serious?
4: Well, the the sermon that I preach on this has got two or three different parts. Uh, The first part, and all of these are long stories, so I'll just give you the short version of it. Um, there's no shortage of, of um, uh, engineering techniques and things that we know about to um, develop um, oh, pumps and you know pipe systems and things to move water, treat water, and so on. There is going to be a need for a lot of new technologies, such as you uh, point out on your webpage, as I was studying there in the future, to purify water and to keep people healthy. Uh, and to solve uh, problems at a small scale. But uh, the the main part of the sermon uh, that I give is that people have to take more responsibility to be good stewards of water, uh, to work together, and not think that it's just a resource that you can just abuse, and it will always be there. And the last part of my sermon um, is about the interdependence that we have of uh, uh, With water, you see water is a unique uh, resource, which you point out in in the things that you've said, but there are two reasons that it it's such a unique resource that people don 't think about number one it 's essential for everything that we do, which you do a great job of explaining. Number two, water binds us together in ways that we cannot avoid because as it starts uphill and then it flows downhill through different users like from Colorado to California and so on, Uh, there's no getting around the fact that we have to cooperate or we can't share it equitably and take care of it well. So people basically have to understand that and not be selfish uh, and just think about themselves, and then we can make progress. I wish I could say I was more hopeful about that, uh, most people are only thinking about um, their individual situation, and it's sometimes difficult to think about working together for the common good to manage water. So I apologize for that being such a long sermon, but that's no.
2: Just... That's what you're on here for today is to save lives and think about this whole planet in the universe that it's influenced. influence. You know, I've had uh, different scientists on here, and uh, doctor, and I'm a total believer with what I've been learning about the water vapor and and let's say uh, what I've been trying to discover and share with the world and where I'm going with this is, uh, with my research, is can you imagine the influence that the planet Earth has on the solar system because we do have the water and that water vapor surrounding the whole solar system? When um, Gene Cernan was on the uh, moon the last time, our astronaut, and he looks back at Earth and says he sees nothing that that blue ball like a marble, a blue marble, that he was, and he said that was God's porch. People are not are not understanding. We have a responsibility. And it, it, it's something happened to, for the earth to have that water. Okay, it has the water, and other people like yourselves and scientists, and for, for so far back, uh, Lawrence Henderson, the famous, uh, research scientist, and we could go on and on and on, the different people for, so many, many, many years, all the way back to Chinese theories and thousands of years. They knew that water was the most vital source of your living. And the word, when you said essential, can you come up with a word that's more impacting to help me out than essential? It is life and death.
4: It is life or death, and I I could think of a few words. Uh, they might not have the punch that are needed, but vital, vital. Uh, Essential, um, uh, life-sustaining, um, and you know a lot of synonyms around the words like but they that. Don't,
2: people are not take serious those words anymore. You know, uh, doctor, I uh, I've been in research for a long time, and so have you. But you, tell me, I'm going to have fun with you. What is the greatest invention of all time out there? What do you think it is?
4: Well, uh, without thinking, um, a long time about that. Uh, I would say it's uh, uh, water treatment to keep people healthy.
2: Okay, you just said water treatment. You know, the greatest invention of all times on earth was when they invented how to say one word and write it. So along we came with those words. You just said water invention. Those are two invented words from way back in time. Our problem today, I have noticed, How do we describe to individuals that have lived short times, long times, whatever, that those words are words that are serious? They're not just plain words. So when you said the word essential, people don't know what the word essential means. It's so open-ended to them. You you see what I'm saying, Doctor?
4: I see exactly what you're saying, and I face that same problem in my classes where I try to explain to the students, um, how important it is to manage water equitably and fairly. And I will say something like, uh, in order to, um, take care of the water, we have to have good plans. Their eyes will all glaze over because the, the words management, plans, and things sound so abstract. The only time that I can get anybody's attention is to say something that impacts them personally and directly exactly. in, in a way that they consider important. And um, People
2: are so emotionally caught up in their own, I call it, behavior, uh, behavior of what they may want for them at the moment, or they wouldn't be reacting to what, and they're not taking long-term serious anymore. It's got to be then and there and what's best for me and what I want for me. And those words that we use to try to teach the world that water, W-A-T-E-R, was an invented word for water that we look at that will sustain our lives forever. But if you're not drinking enough, you're not going to be healthy. If you're not if you're not looking at waters doing for your nutrition, you're not going to be healthy. And we could go on and on. And then I went after, doctor, the water vapor. Because when I was studying dehydration of the body and the symptoms of stress, and then I go into all of these diseases and the cells, the 50 trillion cells in the body, and then all of a sudden, doctor, I go outside the body and think, oh, my gosh, where have they been? that water vapor is the greatest influence on your everyday health and your living because it's relating to the water on the ground. The water on the ground is relating to the vitalness of the water in the air. And then I talked to Dr. Dwayne Cecil over the weekend and Duane said, Sharon, it's also affecting the cloud system today.
4: That's all true and water vapor is is critical um, you know, we've got climate change going on. You've got uh, places that are dry, like here in Colorado. And when you were talking about that dehydration earlier, as I was just listening, I was thinking about two ways that I've experienced that myself personally just in the last uh, week or so. First is all these dry eyes that you're talking about. Here in Colorado, that's a chronic thing that many, many people are, are feeling. The other one is um, when I was hiking in the Rockies, which I do a lot, and I get up in the high elevations, uh pretty soon I'm dehydrated and also subject to altitude sickness and dehydration is one of the causes of altitude sickness. That causes dizziness and you know and weakness and all kinds of things like that. Um, and when you start looking at how much water you need to take in to avoid that dehydration when you're up in those high mountains, you're amazed at how much uh, you really need of that clean water to drink, as you pointed out.
2: Yeah, you know I've got to tell you, uh, you might get a kick out of listening to one of our shows with uh, Captain Buddy Stewart Stewart Orr O R R. I had him on the show, and uh, because he wrote a book called uh, Love of Flight and uh, and he uh, he came and we were and, and uh, we did talk about water and things like that, but all of a sudden, in the show, he was telling us about he was one of these fancy pilots that came in taught by um, John McCain He comes in and these tw- swirls and he comes in and does his thing and well, he was told, when uh, because he was a fighter pilot, you could only have so much weight in your cockpit. And, uh, and uh, doctor, you will not believe what he decided to do. He decided that when he was out in those missions, he was not going to carry the gun. He carried more water. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know it until on the show. And he said, Sharon, something I forgot and thought about just now that you need to know. And, and of course, in our headline was, the, uh, the captain Orr carries more water, not the gun, and you have to stop and think about it. What are you going to do with a gun if you don't have water?
4: Well, you know, wouldn't be much mean, good.
2: <laughs> you can go—he thought he could go hide until somebody gets to him with extra water and may, maybe survive. And that's what our life is all about, Doctor. And this show's about is how do we get people serious, like Captain Orr. He thought, you know, I just need more water. And everybody all over the world needs more water when you're under stress. You need more water when you're planning your activities. If if the doctor says you need to take that pill, you've got to have more water. If you're taking vitamin supplements and And if they don 't realize how much they 've been taking for granted or that shower that you could have been in there too long, or maybe you 're doing too much laundry do you have to do you have to use your same do you have to put the towel in the laundry every time you use it when you 're the only person that's going to use that towel things, things like that, doctor that we need to stop and think about that um, people out there in the world that are expecting some of us, and it's kind of like you and you, what you think certain things you like to do. Maybe you like the movies. Maybe you like to hike. Well, you have people inventing things to make a hike enjoyable. Those are products. Uh, you've got people out there making movies, so you can go to the movie. You're in the world of what we can do to make people more serious about preserving water for a long-term, for the word eternity. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and then you and I are going to come back, and we're going to discuss that book you wrote. (laughs) I noticed that, by the way. All right. And uh, and some other things. But uh, I want to thank you so much for being here today. But we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I miss with just a mist. Take It On A Hike too, but for, for every day's hike in the Health Olympics. It's the way to be able to mist your eyes at the surface because the eyes are 98% water. You need to have outside your surface of your eyes a supplement. Nature's mist, Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the first product worldwide and guess what? It's going into China here soon and is going to be able to supplement their pollution and their water vapor. We're listening to our sponsor Nature's Tears Eye Mist and be right back with Dr. Greg. <music>
0: Talk, talk, talk. 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 That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. (laughs) VoiceAmerica.com.
3: Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now back to the program.
2: Dr. Drake, you published a book among all your busy moments called Water Finance. Tell us about it.
4: Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I oh, as I mentioned over the years as an engineer. I worked on a lot of water problems in the United States and other countries, and I noticed that there's a lot of confusion among people about the total uh, sphere of water management and all the different things that have to be done, and uh, I, in particularly noticed that uh, a lot of the things that are done are done by governments, but then a lot of the things that are done by private businesses, and so... I decided that I would write a book about the combination of these uh, government and business activities to manage water, and so we decided to call it Water Finance Public Responsibilities and private opportunities and that's supposed to point out uh, what must be done by the different governments uh, from city government on up to national governments and even international what they need to do to take care of the big side of water and on the private opportunities part uh, about all of the water treatment the different uh, devices and uh, materials that need to be out there uh, the products that your, um, your sponsor has to take care of individual health as it relates to water. So all of that is explained in the book.
2: Mm-hmm. And in fact, Peter Brayback, the chairman of Nestle, has said that <clears throat> some people even misunderstood, I believe, that water is priceless and it should be priceless because people in the past didn't value it. We need to put more value on it. And maybe people won't put a value on it unless there's a dollar signed to it. And you've got in here that it's reaching over $200 billion in revenues.
4: Yes, and that's not enough because uh, water is underpriced. And that word you used is uh, value of water has been picked up by the water supply um, uh, utilities around the country to try to communicate to people uh, that water is more valuable if they, than they think. And all not to be wasted it 's just like what you were saying a couple of minutes ago about uh, too much laundry, uh, too much water uh, wasted in the home, and all of that. People will only start paying attention when the water uh, is priced at a at a value level that they really recognize, but people are not willing. Uh, to accept that. They want their water bills to be low. They want to take for granted all of their water, uh, clean water supplies. They don't want to appreciate the people who uh, work hard to take care of the water. They're only thinking about themselves and their immediate needs. And, and therein, we've got a big education problem we need to work on.
2: And sometimes, have you ever noticed that those people that are thinking about themselves at that moment and that are very self-indulgent are living the moment, they're not living uh, ahead of that moment, that once you can get them to convert and to looking at things with patience and education, that maybe they would be the best converts because they're all of a sudden startled at what they were missing. And that's why this uh, water education is so vital. But we have to come up with descriptions, doctor, that are more, more uh, dynamic descriptions of words like, uh, for example, there's uh, there's 3.4 million people out there that are dying each year from water-related diseases. And, and uh, then we've got 780 million people out there without adequate water. Then we've got 5,000 children dying a day with no water, or, uh, or let's say safe water, no water. There's got to be ways to get people uh, impacted, how serious this is, and it's getting worse, and it's not getting better because we're not putting a priority on what makes this earth click, what, what is a healthy body, what is a healthy earth, what is a healthy future? Water. It's, it's number one. It's like you and Peter Brabeck said, uh, water is priceless. You can't even put a price on it. Now, in your book, when you were researching, what were some of the startling things, surprises you ran into?
4: Well, one of the surprises um, was how large the water industry is, how much business activity there is uh, when you add it all up. Another... Uh, is how many jobs uh, that, that there are out there uh, in managing water. In the United States, it's around a million jobs, the way that I added up with the Hi. public side and the private side. The 200 billion, uh, you know, that's just the starting point of the water industry in, in the United States. Now, if you multiply that around the world and you look at Europe, you look at Japan, the rest of Asia, Latin America... All these different places, you begin to see that what I call the world water industry is a gigantic enterprise, but it's very fragmented, and people don't think of, don't always think of themselves as working in that water industry. The people I work most with, like the city water departments, the utilities, they think of being in that uh, industry. But if you're a plumber, for example, you you have a lot to do. With public health, but you don't the normally. Word plumber. The word yeah, plumber
2: don't... means water.
4: Yes, it does. Yeah. You don't normally think of yourself as being in the water industry, but exactly. you are You're a big part exactly. of it. You know, so it's very fragmented, and that's one of the reasons that it's hard to explain to people uh, about how the whole thing fits together. Is that fragmentation?
2: You're right. You're right. I bet a lot of people, you know, the word. That, that I'm back to those words again the word plumber of course we know they're coming into to plumbing but that means water and uh, so but worldwide did you ever have an estimated how many people were employed because of water did you ever find out an estimated amount
4: well the the the, the total activity in there is going to be around 1 trillion dollars and so if you just take the ratio from the United States to the rest of the world, you're going to have around uh, maybe, um, let's see, 5 million people, 10 million people employed in the water industry around the world. And you can see that in these large uh, meetings uh, that come together, like uh, there's one every year in Stockholm, Sweden, in World Water Week. They'll have ten, twenty thousand 20,000 people from different countries just come to that one meeting there. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the number of these meetings is multiplying around the world, and the, the attention to this problem, countries um, are all looking for ways to focus attention on their water industries like that. We get more visibility here in the United States because the, the economy is so well-developed compared to some other countries, but we don't have the exact numbers, but um, it is a gigantic industry.
2: It is an estimated enormous amount of information there um, i our show has been in Sweden when the royal family put on the world water um, conference there and with a representative that they had there and and it is you know wouldn 't it be fascinating if we could take the children uh, of the world and say to the children let 's have something with the children with a motto all over the world I think doctor we 'd have more. Uh, the news media and more support with families and all walks of life. If we could get the children involved and um, get active.
4: Yes, that's I true. I had a young
2: boy on here from India, and, I, and he was in uh, j- uh, junior high back in New Jersey, and he'd gone to India. He was family with him India, but. Whenever he'd go to India to visit family in India, he noticed the water issues and problems and, and, and the death and uh, illnesses. So he came back to his school and he started a, uh, a, a contribution of uh, $1,000 will build a tube well. And he got this thing going. And then I've had on the show uh, uh, foundations that were um, out there going into villages in different countries uh, of getting women educated about water that carry that water for all those distances to survive their family and get them into a water business in the in the village to where they'd run a they get the well dug, get the water ran as a business and then they would be valuing it like you just said and I've said today if you put a price on it people will value it if you make a business out of it. Um, now, when you were writing the book, where did you find, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but w- let's just say it's evaluations. When you were w- evaluating a theory that might be there, who were more concerning about water issues and safety of water, water long term? The government involved or the private sector
1: involved?
4: Well, here again, it is a place where you've got a lot of fragmentation and governments are involved in the sense of of passing rules. Like, this is a long story, but in the United States, the safety of our water is generally governed by a a law called the Safe Drinking Water Act. It has a long history, and uh, the Environmental Protection Agency uh, regulates that at the national level. Uh, But when it comes to individual health, uh, and people, uh, being concerned with hydration and clean water and, uh, avoiding waterborne diseases and things like that. It's really the medical community that pays more attention, uh, to that. Now, there's really a disconnect between the medical community and, and the water management community, um, to, to look at the overall picture. And there's a need for better communication, uh, to find out what's causing problems, waterborne uh, disease outbreaks and things like that and how those can be fixed. So it's both. It's it's the government, uh, and then it's the private sector, mainly focused on medical uh, and health communities.
2: You know, you said something that would be a very fascinating, um, something that a lot of people don't know about me. I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, and I've been studying water for 30-odd years. And on the ground, on top of the ground, and that water vapor is what I became alarmed about. And I'm the first person to take into the medical community, into the the drugstore, Um, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, to be the mist to supplement. And what happened, doctor, is many, many years ago, I saw, I noticed in my research, the skin organ is the surface of the body like the soil of the surface of the earth. And they had ignored the fact by the cream and the lotion potion doesn't moisturize. It has to be water also, like the water vapor in the air to supplement. But other countries of the world and I decided to go after the technology of what that means and, and uh, launched Nature's Mist and got a lot of attention and a lot of respect. Well, ophthalmology research came along and said that, eye, that skin product you're doing, could you do that same thing for the, for, for the eyes? because blindness is going to be out of control by 2030. And I said, tell me more. Well, then they taught me about the tear film and, and what was happening with being 98% water at the surface, but there was no product to supplement the surface of the eye. So I studied it for about a year. I took that back to them, and they got excited. And they said, you've got to do this. It's, it's a must. You know how to do it. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm very busy Uh, I've got this other product I'm teaching about the skin, and we were in high-end cosmetics doing that. So anyway, we decided to do it. We filed for the patent. And by the way, we own the patent all over the world, doctor. In 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 the description of moisturizing with 100% water, it is tissue culture-grade water, and supplementing the eyes. We're the first water company in the world to get patents awarded, in almost every country of the world, uh, the description of what we're talking about today. So when I came along and being the first in the medical field, they were excited, doctor. The medical field was so excited. There was a product available to supplement that surface of the eye with 100% water. So I know they're open. I have thousands and thousands of doctors that support what I do out there and more coming. Uh, we're going into China here. But the, back to the medical community, I'm glad you said that today because they're, they are there. They just need the tools. They need enforcement because their practices are not studying water. You know, you're, it's like they will. They can relate what you're saying. They can relate what I'm doing with a handheld portable device, to do, with a dose prescription of water to supplement with whichever micron size of mist that comes out or spray. But back to what you just said, I know they would do it. You're right. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't mind getting uh, behind that one uh, to get these doctors excited. I have thousands and thousands and thousands of doctors notarized supporting what I do, all in the eye category. But back to uh, before we're done today, have you ever been to China with uh, studying their water by chance because they have one of the largest dams in the world built there. In fact, I know one of the engineers who built that, helped them build that dam. Have you been into China with, with their problems with water?
4: Yes, I've, I've been to China. And here in the, in the university, we've had a lot of interchange uh, with China, and they just have uh, mind boggling water problems there. Uh, One way to think about it is that the water is so polluted in the streams and in the city water pipes, nobody would drink that water without boiling it or or something there, and the Chinese have got a long history of boiling that water for tea uh, rather than drinking it, and uh, that helps them to keep uh, healthy to some extent, but the pollution levels there are just terrible, yeah, so... And there's a lot to say about water management in China. They, they have water shortages. They've got floods. Uh, they're diverting rivers uh, to uh, meet the needs of their population. It's a mind-boggling place.
2: It's a mind-boggling, and their water vapor is mind-boggling. Uh, they cannot even escape it because when you go inside the buildings and there's not enough water vapor, but it's all contaminated with the problems of, of the um, dark particle uh, before we uh, the show is over today, have you did you hear when the CERN group out of Switzerland announced the black matter that they've been able to determine is around the globe that 75% of our atmosphere? Did you hear? Did you read about that?
4: I read uh, some newspaper accounts of that. Yes.
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, I've got a call in to them to have the Nobel Prize winner on that was uh, won the prize finally on it. And I've had another Nobel Prize winner on from Switzerland, doctor, and he said, Sharon, it takes years and lots of money to finally get to the prize that there was the molecule has water. <laughs> it's water. So we shall see. But back to uh, the uh, CERN group and that black matter, um, it, it's a fascination to me. Was it a fascination to you with what that might be?
4: Oh, yes. Uh, it's a fascination. I rem- remember telling my wife about that and trying to explain it in the sense of astrophysics, which we, neither one of us have much understanding about. But it seems like one of the mysteries that we really need to know more about.
2: But can I tell you one? You have all of your degrees, and most of my people that are part of me, around me, have no end degrees, too. I don't, and I use common sense. Do you know what I came up with that I said to them? Uh, Is that why that water vapor isn't flying away like Mary Poppins? Is that what's holding back that water vapor?
4: Well, that's a theory that sounds interesting and maybe uh, needs some more investigation.
2: Well, we don't know what, (laughs) but maybe we will, right? (laughs) Because there's nothing that in this country that we can't do and uh, studying. But my fascination with the water vapor, doctor, has been critical. Because I've known when I started studying the word stress and I could see the dehydration effects of every single person from birth has been different. And those, those diseases are all related to a dehydration of individualities. So that's where I came from is the common sense. And, but I have to bring people in like yourselves or people from all over the world that I bring to my table with my company, my research center, to give me credibility to what I've been doing. Um, so, what I, but what I'm thinking is, is that black matter may be the reason that Earth has that water vapor out there that is continually being supported by not flying away, and it's, it's still there. Uh, but the cloud system, like Dr. Cecil said, he was in a big meeting a couple of weeks ago and scientists, and he said they're really worried about the cloud system. Have you done any studies with that at all?
4: Well, here at the university, we have a Department of Atmospheric Science that are world leaders in the cloud system and what's happening in the atmosphere. I'm, I'm personally not involved in the cloud research, but we have it at the university here.
2: Yeah, that cloud system is changing. And well, there, there's doesn't? a lot
4: of debate about it, and they seem to think that it is changing, and Your theory about the dark matter holding the water vapor together may have some um, legs to stand on because the universe has got these different forces. It's got the force of gravity, it's got the electromagnetic force, and it's got the strong and weak uh, nuclear forces. And uh, the dark matter is a force that we don't fully understand, but uh, there's something out there uh, which gave birth to the universe and, and is holding it together. Uh, a lot of different theories about what that, what that is, but uh, yours might uh, bear further investigation.
2: Well, because it 's common sense,
4: Well, yeah, <laughs> I go for common sense too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we need the other theories that are more complex of technology, but when I, I look at water vapor it 's what 's keeping you alive. It's what, when they wanted me to study the surface of the eye, if I didn't go in with common sense, I couldn't have done what, and they expect in time worldwide that supplementing your body with these handheld portable devices with moisture to supplement what you as a person are probably not getting inside surgery rooms and burn centers and daily activities like brushing your teeth. So I went after water vapor, but I do know, that The water on that surface of this earth has to be consistent and keep stay healthy or will become dust. Is there anything you would like to say to, your, uh, to the audience before you leave today? Because our time is over.
4: I would just say that uh, what you said about water education and everyone appreciating the, the need to work together to take care of our water, not use too much, make sure there's enough for the environment as well as for people. That's the bottom line, and that would be the message I would leave, Sharon. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you, and, and I wish you well with your book. Thank you. You have a nice day.
4: All right, you. Be well. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. What a show that was. Every single guest we've ever had on here for all these over six years has been the most wonderful, special moment to me personally. Um, it's exciting to be able to discuss the individual's health what is the best, what will save lives It's going to be always education, education. And that masterful word of invention called let's educate you, all of us, about what is necessary so that we begin to have a program daily of movements with our daily lives, thinking about what we might have forgotten, even if it's just common sense. What do we forget about water and issues around our world to have the world, our planet Earth that we all love so much. You get up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground. I don't care if you live under the bridge. You begin a day of a mov- movement living on this Earth. And so the planet all together, if you're not drinking water and you don't have healthy water and it's contaminated, it's going to become dust. I want to thank you for listening and everybody who makes this show possible. Voice America, thank you. Uh, Apple iTunes. All of you have been telling me that you're listening on Apple iTunes with those earphones. Um, I want to thank everybody, my team, Polly Featherton. I want to thank Bonnie Mark. I want to thank everyone, uh, Art Bernstein, who writes these articles up. Thank you, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour health, environment, and the power of water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinahour.com.